0: Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of his word as delivered at Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. It is human nature to put our best foot forward. That's human nature. Most of us smile when we don't even feel good. Most of us hug others even when we need a hug ourselves. So it's human nature for us to put the best foot forward. But if you're not careful, you will start performing and never hit it in the target. If you're not careful, if you don't actually find your address, where you really are, you will start performing for others and lose really where you are. And you'll find yourself in a place of performance. Another word, a p- p- performance, which is a dangerous word. And the word we want to avoid is called hypocrite. Not that we shouldn't ever perform or do well, but there's another aspect of performing, which means I put on a mask to make others, uh, 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 make others feel that I'm somewhere that I'm really not. It means to act, to put on the act, but not really embody what you're acting. So performance has a place that if you're not careful, you will become a hypocrite. So the only way we prevent ourselves from becoming a hypocrite is that the Holy Spirit has to reprove us. It means convict us. Show us really where we are. Really show us where we are because sometimes we don't really know where we are. Sometimes we don't want to pause to actually identify where we are. We have too many other emotions, uh, and especially if you uh, got expectations that other people uphold of you, then you will try to do everything to appeal to the expectation they have of you. Even if you're not actually dotting the I's and crossing the T's, you'll still put on an act or a performance so they will think you are where you should be. But the Holy Spirit don't want us acting and not being. The Holy Spirit don't want us faking it till we make it. Because the truth of the matter, you don't tell somebody you don't have to fake it. No, no, he will reprove us to help us understand where we are. It's necessary that we go through reproving. Now, I don't want you to think, because this church is going through a reproving that we're some type of bad church. I don't want you to think that. I couldn't say that. No, no, that's not true. But the fact of the matter, everything in life that's going to stay on target to destiny must be reproved. Everything. Anything that goes through life and never goes through adjustments will never hit its target. Because in life, tell somebody things happen. Things happen that affect your decision making. Things happen that affect your mind. Things happen that affect your soul. And you have to go through adjustments so you are back online. I always use the illustration because it's so good. I don't care what type of car you have. I don't care if you have a Toyota Corolla or you have a a a Mercedes-Benz C-Class. It doesn't matter. Sooner or later, you're gonna have to take it in for service and get the car aligned. Now, you can brag all day that you drive a wonderful luxury car but when it comes to certain things all of us are included my toyota corolla has to get a wheel alignment just like your mercedes blend bins because both of them take on the vigor and the rigor of being on the road and sooner or later going to need an adjustment So we want to remove any type of wrong emotion when it comes to the fact that we all going to have to be reproved. Let's just get rid of that emotion. You can be beautiful, you can have wonderful smiles, handsome and intelligent, but if you're going to stay on target to what God has for you, you're going to have to be reproved. You're going to have to be. The worst thing to do is to go through life and never get reproved. Reprove involves not just rebuke, But also bringing clarity, bringing encouragement, and bringing embrace. When God reproves us, he also does something that's similar to a court setting. He demands an explanation. It sounds something like this. How far have you grown since you've been saved? What have you overcome since you learned these scriptures? What have you done with your time? He demands an explanation. And sometimes we need to be brought into the courtroom of the spirit where God can demand an explanation for what we're doing here on the earth. Many times it's only when somebody asks you what are you doing that you're able to now recollect and think about what you're actually doing. I believe that we are in a divine place to reprove us. Again, when we talk about this type of reproving, we must grow to the place where God wants us to be. Sometime when people hear these type of messages, we get bored by these type of messages. You know, everybody want to come to church and everybody want to be next. Everybody want to be next in line for a miracle, next in line for a breakthrough. Everybody want, if you're not careful, our time of coming to church will be nothing but sugary cereal. I don't don't know about you but I sure do love some cinnamon toast crunch. I do love it Lord my God ever since my mother bought my Grandmom bought it back in when I was a little boy. That thing is something else I love some cinnamon toast crunch boy because that thing can set you on a high you hear me Hallelujah, and I don't know about you. I give me a great bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. Hallelujah And then that that cinnamon still floating in the milk and all of a sudden I feel like I need to use all the milk can't let all this milk go to waste. So you know what that means? I got to pour a little more back in it because I can't let this milk go to waste. But how many know that um, sometimes you got to pick up some raisin bran? Something with some oats in it and some pecans in it sometimes. Oh, I hear some people shaking their head. I can't stand none of that. All I'm trying to say is there are times in your life that you need more than just hype. You need more than just sugar you need more than something that just always make you shout and dance I think there's a problem with the church sometimes because all our services if all our services have to make you leave Shouting and dancing and if we don't do a one two three something is wrong And some people have got so addicted to church that way that we feel like we had not had Church or God had ministered to us unless we dance now dancing is a part of our worship but they, they don't mean we have to dance that way every Sunday and I'm telling you there are some people are not growing because they Have to always be hyped up. They have to always hear some sugary stuff and sometimes we're not growing properly That's why I mentioned Raisin Bran. It's not that I love it so much be honest, but I recognize what's in it I need it to ain't the fact that my mom see I had to train my palate to start taking things that are good for me even though though it's not as sugary, you understand what I'm saying? So that's why, and now that I have learned what's good for me, I'll now take raisin bran and add raisins. I'll now take raisin bran and add craisins, y'all ain't saying nothing with me, and add some stuff to me, if you mess around, I get creative, and I have apples cut up in that thing, bananas cut up, y'all ain't saying nothing, because I've learned that everything in life for me to grow don't always feel good but if I'm going to get out of what I'm in and grow to the place I need to be I got to take things that are necessary and although it doesn't feel good you hear what I'm saying and I believe the church has to know what's necessary even though it don't always feel good so I believe the major problem with the church is a very central issue the central issue with the church is that the church don't follow God it is simple the church the kingdom of God is perfect it's the kingdom that is perfect but the church is being born to be in the church you have to be born again So ain't nothing with the kingdom, the kingdom is perfect, but the church which represents the people who represent the kingdom have to be modified and trained by the principles of the kingdom. In other words, one of the greatest challenges with the church is the church has born again untrained people born again but untrained and so somewhere in our life we have to grow and become trained so we can look like the kingdom we come from so so that's it. And if a church is untrained, it becomes religious, it becomes carnal and undisciplined. So the church takes its lessons and its image from the kingdom of God. Let me remind you of Luke 22 is on the screen. I got several scriptures today. I got to teach and preach this thing through Luke 22, verse 29 to 32. And you remember some of these verses that I Mentioned before about Simon Peter, but I got something else to say to here, and I want you to see this All right, you you're to hold on today? I got quite a bit to deliver Luke 22 29 to 32 verse 29 says this is Jesus talking to his disciples at the Last Supper And he's telling them that one of them is going to betray them And he says the one who kissed my cheek and sat at the table will betray me all of them start wondering is it I is it I? Here's some other words he says to them, says to them at that moment, verse 29, I appoint to you a kingdom as my father have appointed to me. Jesus talking to his disciples. I've appointed to you a kingdom that my father has appointed to me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit down judging the 12 tribes of israel now underline the word judging i want you to see that he said now look i brought you into a kingdom to sit at my table but part of your responsibility is to judge the 12 tribes of israel so jesus expects his disciples to be able to judge oh y'all gonna have to get it he expects his disciples to have the ability And the responsibility both responsibility and ability to judge he expects them to judge now this is a loaded conversation at the table this is a very loaded conversation at the table but he said I expect you to judge verse 31 and the Lord said unto Simon Lord said Simon Simon behold Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat now in the midst of this he gives Peter a prophetic warning He's able to discern in that moment in the life of Peter that the devil is about to try to threaten your relationship with me. The devil is going to try to sift you as we. He gives him a prophetic warning or a word of knowledge publicly in front of the disciples. I want to get us away from some level of queasiness when it comes to prophetic and the word of the Lord. Jesus did not pull Peter to the side and whisper in his ear. There are times when God will talk to us publicly about our life in front of people. We think that God always has to talk to us alone by ourselves. I want you to see it clearly that Jesus warns Peter publicly in front of the other disciples that the devil desires to sift him as we. But anytime there is still prophetic word or prophetic knowledge or even rebuke that comes, I want you to understand that is still always redemptive. All right, look at verse 32. But I have prayed for thee. So the entire prophetic warning is both to help correct Peter, but also encourage Peter. so God doesn't send a warning or rebuke just to tear you down. Now he will correct you, but in it he, he will show his love because he has, he is not his heart to leave you condemned. He's convicting you to show you where you need to go. So he tells Peter, I'm going to allow this to happen. That's the other thing that we have to come into the conclusion that Jesus telling Peter, the devil's going to try you and you're going to have to go through this. You're going to have to go through this type of situation, all right, but I'm prayed, but I prayed for thee. So Peter now gets to feel the love that know that Jesus prayed for him, that thy faith fell not, and when thou art underlined, converted. So now Jesus is talking to Peter, and he's saying something strong to Peter. He's saying, Peter, devil's going to try you, and I'm going to sum it up for this point. He's devil's going to try you, but I'm going to use it. The devil's going to tempt you, but I'm going to use it. I'm going to use the pressure of this failure to get something out of you. I'm going to use it because after this I'm going to convert you but 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 the only way I can convert you is I got to get you to see what's really in you and so many times we don't recognize that God in his sovereignty will back up and let the devil be the devil so we'll know where we really are and some of us didn't know how weak we were until God allowed the devil to tempt us and try us because in the next few verses Peter tells Jesus basically Jesus you don't know what you're talking about I'm ready to go with you in the prison and wherever you go that's what it is. because what happens to us rather than responding in humility he responds being cocky I'm ready to go with you he said you ain't ready to go nowhere he said the day will not be over where the rooster cocks three times and in a matter of three moments right after this Peter denies Jesus three times See, many times we don't understand in God's sovereignty. God knows how to show us right where we really are. God uses the enemy temptations and trials to get something out of us. Something that we've been overlooking. Something that we didn't want to deal with. Something that we didn't want to face. But God in his sovereignty tells Peter Jesus tells Peter I'm going to allow the devil to do this. Because if I don't allow the devil to do this you ain't going to know how much you need to pray. You ain't going to know how much you need to get in your word. You ain't going to know how much you need to consecrate. But I'm going to allow you to see yourself Peter. I know you talking good right now but in just a few seconds when the pressure gets on your life you're going to do some things you thought you would not do oh I'm coming through today and I got a while to come through and you're going to do some things you're going to say some things you thought you would never say you wait till the pressure get on you you can walk around cocky all you want to telling people how strong you are like you won all your battles in the Lord the devil is alive you learn sometimes by falling and getting up you didn't win every task get out of here in Jesus name you can't help nobody and all you did is win every test on the first time you didn't stop oh God help us he prophesies to Peter and says this circumstance is gonna make you better cuz after this you're gonna be able to strengthen your brother When I really show you what's in you and what's got to come out of you, you're gonna be better for me, Peter. And he says, and I'm gonna allow this thing to happen. He said, I'm gonna allow this thing to happen and all I need you to do is hold on to your faith. You don't know what it's like, and maybe you do, when the devil is coming after you from all types of places. When he's fighting in your mind, anybody ever had a mind fight? A mind fight. A mind fight is when you know better, but you don't feel like doing what's right. You know better. Ain't nobody got to tell you better. You already know better. But your mind ain't there. Your heart not there. You don't want to do nothing. You don't want to do what's right. Matter of fact, there are times in your life, y'all don't, y'all. Lord, there's times in your life you go through seasons where all you want to do is wrong. Oh, you, oh, the temptation is on you strong, you oh, God, yeah. oh, you got to fight it every day. You got to fight these temptations every day. You got to fight what the devil is. You don't know what it's like. See, many times when God's protecting you, you don't know what's coming at you. But when God's back up from you and he's no longer protecting you from the trial and no longer protecting you from the temptation, now you get to see what you can deal with without God's hedge. Tells Peter, you're about to deal with something that I'm going to allow to happen, but I'm doing it to get, make you better. Tell somebody, he's making me better. Yeah. He's making him better. So Jesus uses this word of prophecy to help Peter recognize what he really is. Again, I want you to understand he did it publicly. He did it publicly. Not to embarrass Peter not to embarrass Peter, because I wasn't the goal, but how many know if Peter's mind is wrong, Jesus can have right intentions and people, Peter can still be embarrassed. You can't always judge what God is doing by people's response. If Peter decides to get embarrassed here, that don't mean Jesus was wrong. Because sometimes, the embarrassment proves the pride. The embarrassment improves the pride, rather than having a heart of humility. Rather than say, let me tighten up my ship. Rather than, oh no, sometimes, sometimes, the church always think that they can never be corrected, never be rebuked, never be told about their lives never be told about their habits and we create this environment where nobody can judge let me tell you what has happened um, in the church we have lost the ability to judge know why we've lost it because number one we've lost standards In order to judge, you got to keep standards. In order to judge, you got to keep laws. In order to judge, you have to say something is right and something is wrong. In order to judge, you got to say something is holy and something is sin. But when you stop saying something is right and something is wrong, something is holy and unholy, then we lose our place to judge. The other reason we have lost the, the, the standard to judge is because of poor teaching. You heard the poor teaching when people don't study to show themselves approved, but they preach and they preach in a way that creates compromise yeah. and poor teaching and poor lifestyle. So you teach two ways. You teach by what you say and you teach by what you do. So poor teaching has also caused the church not to have the strength and the ability to judge. The Bible tells us we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, it is good for nothing but to be trodden under the foot of men. In other words if the church has lost its purpose it's no good coming here clapping our hands, spinning around praising God because a part of what we are to do is to be the light of the world. What I'm trying to say is sooner or later we're going to have to get it right to be an example to the world. Sooner or later. I know we came in here broke, busted and disgusted. I know one day we was lost and we found in him a a resting place and he has made us glad. I know he, he saw us out there sinking in the deep Saying and brought us to the peaceful shore. I know that, but sooner or later through Bible studies, sooner or later through prayer, sooner or later through the word of God, we're gonna have to start being a light to the world. We can't keep telling the world don't look at us. We can't keep telling the world don't expect nothing from us. Sooner or later, we're gonna have some salt in our saltiness. We've lost our saltiness, we no good for nothing. Go to Matthew 7. I got some word here. Hold tight. Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Matthew 7 verse 1. It says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. How you measure things. And why behold this Thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but consider not the beam that is in thy own eye. Or how would thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thy own eye. Let me help. A mote is a tiny speck of dust. Something very small. It's indication here that somebody... Is is ignoring It's picking at the small thing in somebody else's life While they have a more glaring issue in their own life What this what this is trying to tell us first of all is you don't have the realm or the authority to judge and be Overcritical when you got a big beam in your eye but you got the nerve to be talking about the speck in other people's eye. So what this is talking about is unjust judgment. Don't you dare go out, not be fit to judge. That's what it's talking about, fit to judge, meaning and then be unbalanced in your judgment where you're telling somebody else to get the speck out of their eye and you have a beam in your eye. See, that's what it's trying to talk about. So let's read the whole scripture to get full understanding. All right, so that's what it's trying to say. Another way is also trying Trying to say is you got to be an example in order to judge. Verse five, here it is. Here it is. Look at it. Verse five. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam of thy own eye. Let's read the whole scripture so we can get to understand him. Then thou shall see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Never did it say that you don't help the brother get the mote out of his eye. Never did it say that, you know, it says that you're unable to clearly judge when your life jacked up You're unable to clearly help somebody when your life is out of balance But you want to pick on other people about their little stuff, but you got big stuff happening in your life So the Bible says don't you dare try to judge everybody else when you know you got something big going in your life Can I say something? There's times in your life when you just need to be quiet There's times in your life when you're dealing with all kind of issues in your life while you know other people got stuff going on All you need to be saying is I'm praying for them because you know what you're going through And you know what you're facing and there's sometimes so just speak quiet Don't join in the conversation with nobody. Don't get in No, I can't talk today. Nope (laughs) And we got to learn how to have righteous judgment. He said don't you dare start judging that way That's not how you pronounce the judge. Let me keep breaking it down because this judge word also has two different definitions in the Greek. If you don't study, you'll never know what we're supposed to do. When Matthew seven says, do not judge, it's actually telling us, don't make a final decision. Don't you dare condemn nobody. Don't you make final decisions over nobody's life. Even if they've done wrong, you don't have the authority to make no final decision over nobody's life. Don't you dare condemn them. But first Corinthians verse 2 let's go first Corinthians verse 2 13 to 15 says which things also we speak not in words which mean which man's wisdom Wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, Comparing spiritual things with spiritual let me read it again which things we also speak not in words which Man's wisdom teach but we teach the Holy what which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man Receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. They are foolishness unto them. Neither can they, neither can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned. So it says, unless you in the spirit, you can't see in the spirit. Unless you in the spirit, living in the spirit, you can't see in the spirit. So I don't expect spiritual things from a non-spiritual person because you can't see in the spirit see and if you can't see in the spirit ain't no telling what the devil doing you can't see nothing you can watch tv and not see nothing the devil done laid all types of nuggets all in your house you can't see nothing because you're not spiritually discerning but if you stop spiritually discerning some of this stuff some of these tv shows you wouldn't watch y'all ain't saying nothing i said some of you shouldn't watch Some of them you shouldn't watch. Why? Because you start being spiritual about the narrative and subliminal messages that are coming through the TV. Certain things you wouldn't want to watch. Why? Because you are spiritually discerning what the devil is trying to do to your mind. And many times what the devil really tries to do to the saints is just neutralize us. Do you understand salt is no good if it doesn't have its ingredients properties that makes it preserve. Come on, if you lose the ingredients that make you who you are, you become neutralized And then you can handle anything. You can see anything. You don't pick up nothing. Now, come on But if you are in the Spirit, then you can discern the things of the Spirit Verse 15, but he that is spiritual Judges all things Yet he himself is judge of no man. So it talks about that we do have a position to judge. I already read it in Luke 22. He told them to come to his table because I'm expecting you all to be mature enough to judge. To have an eye, what type of judge? Again, to be the judge, not the final decision judge, but judge in another sense, which means to determine right from wrong. It means to investigate, to scrutinize, to sift, to question, all right? To interrogate, to estimate, to determine a thing or not. It's the discernment type of anointing. It's an anointing that helps you know what's right and what's wrong. To know where to go forward or stay still. You've got to have the ability to judge a thing. And so I want to eradicate the things that have made the church weak. We're losing our salt because everybody is telling us not to judge. It's only not to judge to condemn, but we need to judge to say if it's right or wrong. God or the Satan. And now the church people can't say nothing. They act like we're going to go to jail because saying something is wrong. Come on y'all. Y'all got it in your Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible that it tells us that a man and a man is God or name being together. Nowhere in the Bible. Come on. One of the things we have even in the Bible is called um, the principles of God that is established through repeating acts of how God does. You never see a repeated act where God established himself as holy with a woman and a woman. You don't see it nowhere in the text. Come on, that ain't nothing we should struggle with. The only way that even Christians can get delivered from the temptations of lesbianism and homosexuality, the only way we can get delivered is we got the judge that they will say, right! and wrong come on and when we lose the ability to judge in the household of faith then Christians who struggle never overcome come on I'm not trying to say you don't have no problems but I'm trying to say if we don't have, if we don't identify that it's a right or a wrong sooner or later it won't be a problem it'll be a lifestyle I don't know about you, I'd rather it still be in a struggle than it still be in a lifestyle. The fact that it's a struggle, it represents there's something that's saying don't you live that way. There's something in me telling you don't you go this way. And as long as you know there's a right and a wrong, you can struggle. we can't lose the ability to judge up in here if that's the case there's no hope can I testify tonight today the only reason I'm delivered is because somebody kept telling me I can live holy the only reason I'm set free is somebody keep telling me it was a better way to live and if they would have stopped telling their testimonies if they would stop living right I would have got caught in what I was in. I want you to go ahead and praise God and just say, Lord, I thank you. Somebody helped me get delivered. Somebody held up the blood stain matter. Somebody lived holy before me. Somebody said there's a right and there's a wrong. So that's our jurisdiction. And Jesus told his disciples, you are supposed to judge. Say, that's our jurisdiction. See, many of people get all queasy. You don't want to judge nothing. You're not walking in your authority. You don't want to judge nothing. I don't want to judge nothing. Because if you can't judge it, you don't even see how the devil going to come on your children. See, now you don't want to judge nothing. You better discern what's going on. Because as soon as you put those senses to sleep, Your senses to judge, you no longer have a radar when the robber comes in your house. But when you have discernment and the robber comes in your house and violates the point he's welcome. your radar goes off. Y'all get what I'm trying to say? When the thief comes in your house to rob your house, if you don't have an alarm system, he come in your house and he just walking all over through your rooms going in the refrigerator going where he need to go doing things he need to do you don't know a thing you wake up in the morning your tv gone and you like huh huh, who took the tv you go in the kitchen the toaster gone you go over here everything gone that's how it is you look up your marriage on the line what happened to my marriage? you look up your children all jacked up and messed up what happened to my children You put down your senses, you put down your ability to discern and you didn't recognize the devil was in your house, stealing your joy, stealing your treasure, stealing your stuff. Why? Because you decided that you weren't going to judge nothing. And you had no alarm that went off in your spirit nothing that signaled you see if you got an alarm in your house If somebody come past the authority that they have and cross that territory You can get up be alarmed and fight and say you ain't got no authority in my house You ain't got no authority in my living room. You ain't got no authority in my refrigerator But when you are dull in your spiritual senses, and you don't have no type of discernment The devil will walk all over your house Take your children hostage, and you don't know what's going on. You better know your jurisdiction. Oh, you better know what's going on. How about Shatalama Sata? That's what I'm trying to tell you. We are called to discern. All right, we are called to discern. Hope you got it. We are lo- lo- losing our ability to judge, and part of it is again, again, poor teaching and poor example. Poor example, but God wants us to be able to judge and to do so we got to walk in everybody say humility Amen. Go to Matthew 18. Come on. You're doing good. You're doing good. Y'all doing good Matthew 18 We got to do humility. I talked about Peter Peter Stop being cocky when Jesus tells him you're gonna fall three times I'm Like Not me You don't know who I am I'm ready to go everywhere you want to go. Matthew 18, I'm picking up in some part of the verse, verse one, in verse 17, but I'm just jumping right in verse 1, 18. At the same time the disciples came unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now Luke 22, some verses in Luke 22, has the same conversation. Luke 22, while they're at the table, During the Lord's Supper, they're also having this conversation. Now, Jesus is talking about one of y'all going to betray me. And they're having a conversation among each other saying, which one of us the greatest? I need y'all to get this. Jesus is looking and saying, one of y'all need to tighten up. One of y'all going to betray me. Then after he said, one going to betray me, then he looks at Peter and said, Peter, you're going to basically deny me. That's separate from the one that's going to betray me. But in the midst of this whole conversation, you can look, read Luke 22. I didn't read them previous verses, but they're having a conversation who's gonna be the greatest. And there came a strife in between them on who's gonna be the greatest. So it's like John talking to Paul, said, man, you ain't better than me. I'm better than you, man. My name's John, I'm beloved. They looking at each other. Jesus is telling them, y'all need to tighten up. But they get into self ambition and competition to one another. Can I say this clearly? Your brother and sister in the body of Christ is not your competition. You are not in competition with another brother and sister in the body of Christ. You are not in competition with nobody. You are not. You got to get out of that mindset. We work together. We complement each other. We support each other. We build up each other. Come on now. We can't have environments where we always uh, wrong competition with each other. They were here competing with each other. And Jesus trying to tell them, y'all ain't got no reason to be competing. All oh, y'all sus- susceptible to sinning in a little bit. They have this conversation, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Verse two, Jesus called the little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. Verily I say saying to you, except ye be converted. Converted again, Luke 22, Jesus tells Peter about conversion. He tells them again, except you be converted, unless you think differently and become as a little child, little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse four, whosoever shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of God. What happens sometime in the church? Arrogance put us out of where God's going to take us. Pride put us out of where God's going to take us. We got a great calling. We got great gifts. We got great abilities. We got great skill. God's going to use us mightily, but we lose humility. He tells them, unless you become like a child and become humble, you will not enter in. But if you become humble, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall receive one, such little child in my name receiveth me. So if you receive a little one who's humble, humble person, receiveth me but whosoever, whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me it were better for him that a milestone a concrete milestone were hang heavy hanging about his neck that he and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea whoa God said now what happens many times when you start offending people is because you ain't walking in humility The lack of humility will cause you to continue to offend people. So he's trying to teach humility here because humility also helps you to stop offending folks. But when you start walking in humility, you start offending people regularly because you're cocky and you're arrogant. But it's better for you, he says, instead of messing with people who are humble, it's better for you that you put a hang of mouse on your neck and you were drowned in the sea. And what he says is, be careful messing with humble people. You got, it also teaches, it's trying to make us be more discerning about each other. Amazing what it says is, slow down, for you mess with somebody I love. <laughs> slow down before you tell them something and hurt their feelings and, and do something to their life. It says, slow down before you hurt somebody I love. He says, woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must, need, must needs be that offense come. Now, this is a very loaded scripture. But woe to the man by whom offense cometh. What he's trying to say is, offenses help us grow. So, offenses are coming. Everybody say, offenses are coming. Somewhere in life, say it again, say somewhere in life, you're going to get offended. All right, so offenses come. But when offenses come, right, offenses come. All right, it must needs that offense to come. so the other thing it must need. So the other thing that happens when you are offended you want to hold tight on this one, when you are offended, it shows you where you are. not just what happened to you. Now this is the thing about being offended. Now somebody may have caused the offense, but when you are offended, it still shows you where you are. It gives you, I know it, I know it. I know you want to only focus on the person who offended you. But that's why he allows offense to come. Because when offense come, it gives you opportunity to look at where you are and grow. No, no, we're not going to talk about that person who offended you yet. No, no, no. I know that's what we want. But when you offended, it just tells you where you are. It don't mean that you're in a bad place, but it lets you know where you are. Let me tell you this. There are times when you stop being sensitive about everything, about everything, that you stop being offended as much. Now, if you are sensitive about everything, I don't even know if I can talk to you today. Because if you're sensitive about everything, then it's too easy to offend you. See, it's harder to offend, not that we're never offended, because I've been offended, you've been offended. But if, you, if you're, where you're offended is where you put your values at, with your treasures, your principles, right? So you're offended because somebody have went across a boundary. So you're offended, okay? But if you have your boundaries everywhere, everywhere. Now, if you said something about my wife, I may not like it. But I'm not going to jail because you don't like something about my wife. I'm not that offended. I decided to marry her. I love her. And I'm going home with her today. Now, the fact that you don't like her, God bless you. My prayers are for you. I'm not that offended because I have not put my offense and my boundary out that that far. If that's the case, then the enemy is going to really use me because I get offended so easily. All you got to go say is, Pastor Joe, is. I don't like Pastor Robin. Boy, y'all seen Pastor Joe. I ain't seen him either. He in jail. <laughs> what happened to him? Somebody said somebody's wife. See, once you see offense, will show you where you are. Not saying that you ain't never gonna be offended, but offended, offense will also come to check you. Oh, y'all don't like Bible? I know it. It must needs be that offense has come. Sometimes when you get offended, it becomes an opportunity to get refocused. Oh, if you ever been offended and went through it right, it becomes an opportunity for you to get refocused. Because sometimes your focus is off, and that's where you offended when you get offended that they invite you out to lunch at work and everything you upset about everything with that then it shows you what you're depending on come on now i told somebody i don't mind going to l- out to lunch with you but i ain't been offended that you invite me to go to lunch i feel so good about myself i'll take myself out to lunch i ain't got to have nobody across the table come on now hallelujah and then i feel so good about the connections i have i pull my own people together and we'll go out to lunch too you ain't saying nothing See, i feel good But woe to the man that, by whom offenses come. I got to teach this. Y'all going to have to hold on today. But woe to the man by whom offenses come. So be careful when you're the one causing offenses. Oh, I got to teach. Be careful when you have called offenses. Now let me get in verse 8. Y'all with me in verse 8? Y'all about to hold on. Wherefore, if thy hand or foot offend thee, cut them off. Cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halted or maimed rather than having two hands, two feet, and to be cast in everlasting fire. Very strong illustration. But it's first speaking to your soul. It says, rather than trying to carry all this stuff that's offending your lifestyle, offending your relationship with God, if your eye was offending you, and causing you not to live for God. If your hand was offending you, something wrong with your hand. And every time you let your hand be a hand, they do the wrong thing. They keep offending you, no I don't wanna do that. Oh. God says, don't worry about your hand so much. If your hand risks your body going in, cut off your hand. Now this is a tough illustration. Because reality, some people go through some hardships in life, where they actually have to make a medical decision to dismember a part of their body. Now nobody wants to go through a process where something is going on in your health, Sometimes it happens with diabetes, that you have to amputate your foot or you have to amputate a part of your body because something in that part of your body is not living right. It's not breathing and functioning. And what happens is, it's dying. And what it does, it sends death signals to the rest of the body. In other words, sometimes it becomes gangrene. And sometimes it starts seeing, sending tox, toxicity to the rest of the body. Sometimes in our lives, there are things that are dying. But we won't judge that it's dying. There are times in our life that we're trying to save something. And it's hurting the whole body. See, if you're not ready for critical decisions to really live for God, you're gonna carry toxic stuff all your life. This is about critical decision making. There are times in your life you gotta cut off something in order to live, you gotta cut off something in order to grow. Sometimes, if you don't wanna be discerning and judge, you don't cut off nothing. You don't cut off nothing. You don't cut off nobody. You don't cut off no friends. There are sometimes in your life, sometimes you have to frame up your circle a little bit. Sometimes, especially if it's carrying toxicity to the body. I'm not saying that these are easy decisions, but it's better. See, the rest of the body get to enjoy eternal life because you cut off the thing that was killing everything else. So dismemberment is not something that you take lightly. But there are times when you really look at life, there are things have to be cut off, verse 9. If that eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. It is better to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes. Y'all reading scripture like I'm reading? And cast into hell. There are people going to hell because they ain't going to cut off nothing they lack the ability to make critical decisions for their soul and for their spirit and they're too weak and they're too passive I'm coming through they're weak and they're passive and no one has challenged them that you got to learn how to y'all ain't saying nothing you got to know how to save your life you got to know how to save your soul you got to know how to tell people I can't come with you no more I can't hang with you no more I evaluated my life and three days without you I was peaceful when I got with you I went back to being crazy So I have evaluated that you make me crazy. I'm not getting rid of me, I'm getting rid of you. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And we lack this ability to stand up on our own two feet and make critical decisions for our soul. Verse fifteen, more of that brother. Now he translate this. He started off talking personal about your eyes, your hands. I like to say, I like to say it like this. A lot of people like to talk about the church. Let me go here and let me bring it in. Some people like to talk about the church being about church is about discipleship. Church is about discipleship. God ain't never called the church to, to membership. I've heard that before. It's all wrong. I said it's all wrong. Let me lift up my head so you know I said it. It's all wrong. Discipleship only happens for members. You can't train nothing, not connected. So the first level is membership. You got to be first connected to be disciple. You can't disciple unconnected folks. You can't disciple unconnected folks. I'm preaching where we are as a church. I'm not trying to disciple unconnected folks. I'm trying to get rid of unconnected folks. See, I'm the only one that's going to say it. I'm the only one that's going to say, it. if you're unconnected, then I have the honor that you're unconnected. See, the one thing we try to do, see, churches get caught up in, in swelling. So you can tell people how many members you got. But they ain't no member if they're not connected. That's just somebody you know who visits your church from time to time. You got to be a member to be connected. You can't call your arm a arm and it's sitting over there on the floor. That ain't your no. Sooner or later, by being disconnected, that arm's going to die. You can call it what you want. That arm's going to die. I don't care what you say because it's not connected to the body. You can only disciple something that's connected. Because my arm is connected to the body, I can lift weights and get this arm stronger. But ain't nothing I can send from my brain to this arm with this arm sitting over here to the side. Get stronger. That arm looking like I ain't heard nothing you saying. See, that's why you can preach and be wondering why these people not growing now he's saying you have to grow immediately because growth ain't always immediate because sometimes i thought you hear something you got to go through adjustments you got to you know, but my god come on come on my god my god i'm one of those persons that i evaluate i'm like man you know lord am i wasting time I yeah, i know you y'all not know am i wasting time i'm really getting the fruit out of what i put in and that kind of stuff i'm not being arrogant or, or being cocky but the bible tells me don't cast my pearls to the swine Come on, the Bible tells you, all right, come on now, come on, that's one of the things we got to learn. So I'm saying, hey God, am I wasting my time? Because the truth of the matter is, I don't expect to feed, No, I don't expect to feed people and they don't grow. That just don't make any sense. I don't expect to feed anybody and they don't grow. I don't expect to take care of people and they don't grow up. It just don't work like that in my mind. I don't expect to bless my children, feed my children, and they never grow up. Come on now. I don't expect that. Why will he expect that here? Why will he expect people to come to church, hear the word of God, and never grow? Maybe they're not a member. See, a lot of churches trying to go to swell and and they care about numbers. See, Easter teaches something. Easter Sunday will teach you something. And we preach on Easter Sunday. I ain't against none of that. And, you know, we're gonna preach, we're gonna love people. But if I'm a pastor caught up in Easter Sundays, I'm gonna be discouraged. I'm gonna be so discouraged. And I know some folks online, God bless you. I ain't not I'm not messing with you today. Hold on tight, don't be easily offended. I got to preach now. Nah? Stop being easily offended all that kind of stuff. I'm just preaching. I got to preach. I ain't pastor messing with me because I didn't come to church last Sunday. I'm not thinking about you while I'm preaching. I'm preaching. See, I told you. Sometimes office will tell you where you are. Everybody's always thinking about you. But see, because but you, you think you're so grand. Because you think you're so wonderful. You think everybody, everybody ain't thinking about you. They're just not thinking about you. And if you digest that, you'll have a little more humility about who you are. (sighs) Come on, verse 15. I'm getting close. Moreover, if that brother, now he's moving this illustration from dealing with your body to now dealing with the body of the church. If that brother shall pass this against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. So the only way to help somebody who offended you is let them know they offended you. This is about judging. This is about proving. This is what a church need help with. Because we'll keep accusations and stuff going on and stuff like that. But it happens in people's house. How's somebody supposed to know what they did wrong to you and you got an attitude for three days and you ain't said nothing? And then when they ask you what's wrong with you, you know. No, I don't know. You know. No, I don't know. You're gonna have to tell me. You have to bring me into knowledge. Cause otherwise you walk away being upset. I can't stand it. He's sitting there over there asleep. He's snoring and he done made me mad. He done ate two steaks and two potatoes. T- I had no idea. Oh, this is important, because sometimes people want to hold people accountable for being wrong, but not saying nothing. I ain't saying nothing. People go to work just that way, and that's why workplace can't have no unity, because people don't address things properly. The first way to address it is to have a conversation with that person. It says go to that brother, and between him. You, come on, man, let's see if we can settle this. You can't go to fire other people, man, John. John, yeah, John, and then the next thing you know, them same people, John did that to me too. John did that to me too. And all of them didn't tell John nothing. When is somebody going to talk to John about his behavior? When is somebody going to talk to John about what he say? Maybe John will have a different perspective and opinion about what he say if somebody bring it to his attention. There are sometimes people are offending other people because somebody won't tell them what they do is offensive. Go tell it between thee and him alone. If he shall listen to this. If he shall hear thee, read the scripture, thou has gained a brother. Oh, so if I go to him and tell him and he said, oh, I see what you're saying. You just gained a brother. You don't walk out that situation talking about whatever. No, you don't go out that situation telling everybody what happened between y'all two. You gained a brother. It's over but if he will not hear thee oh there's another process oh is it so if he will not hear thee then take with thee two with thee one or two or more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established what see this is why we carry toxic stuff all the time we don't know how to escalate things righteously he says if things are going on in the body Handle it between that brother. If y'all can't come to agreement, then escalate it. Bring two or three proper people in and Of course, I'll, I may have to teach you, bring the right people. Tell somebody, bring the right people. <laughs> I mean, bring the right people. Don't bring hot-headed Susie to ask the two or three. You bring some level-headed, balanced, don't bring the wrong people. Bring two, bring, bring, I gotta say, bring the right people. Cause see, you're gonna mess it up. I know who I'm getting here. I know who I'm getting on. Cause know what happens? You start focusing it on who is on your side. Mm -hmm. One or two, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now, it was between us two. But now we gotta get this thing right. We haven't been able to settle it. Let's bring some balanced folks in here. and Let's talk it out. So maybe we can hear some different perspectives from other people. And get some feedback so everywhere can be established. Verse 17. If it neglect to hear them, small group, tell it to the church. See, I'm trying to tell you, one of the problems of the church is we're passive. God ain't nowhere near passive. If something is causing the body not to function, God will deal with it. He's showing us in here. He says, cut off your hand. Huh? Pluck out your eye. Don't let nothing hinder you from getting into the, the kingdom of God. Then he says, then he says, Don't let nothing separate you and your brothers and your sisters. If it don't happen between you two alone, then go to two or three. If you can't handle between two or three, bring it to a larger audience of the church. Tell it to the church. If you neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man. I'm telling you, one of our challenges is we don't like scripture. We don't like scripture. Like scripture. God says if he don't if you don't if he don't hear tell it to the church. If you're glad to hear the church, let him be as a heathen man and a publican. A castaway is what it means. If he won't apologize, he won't see how to repent, won't see how to change. If we don't see through prayer and through love that we need to change and do something different, then it says basically kick him out. See, this is let me tell you what's wrong with church. We're trying to grow with infection. And many times, we don't know God, God will release things before he added. We always just think about adding, 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 adding. See, this is wrong with the church today. The church never goes through any type of withdrawals. I know this is tough stuff, but this is good to me. Don't you understand that God made, not just the church body, but every day your body is processing toxins. You have pancreas, the liver, all of these different organs in your body, your esophagus connected all to your intestines, and all of these things take your food, filter what's nutrients and vitamins, use that so your body and your blood has what it needs to do what it needs to do. Then it has another place where it takes waste and it takes toxin and it get rid of stuff. But the church is the only place that we don't want to get rid of nothing. But God says there comes a the times that we got to have a purging process. We got to have a pruning process. We got to have a cleaning process. Because the truth of the matter is you will grow better when you get cleaned out. You will grow better when you get yourself free from some stuff. Your, your mind will be clearer when you got set, get certain things out of you. We want to function at high capacity with toxins feeding us. <laughs> say he gonna be like a heathen, all right? So I want you to understand that God understands. There's a time to clean things up, clean things up, all right? Let's go to Luke 17. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I promise you. The Bible even te- teaches about when it talks about forgiveness. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna go to Luke 17, Matthew 5. Matthew 5 talks about if you have an all against your brother and you recognize your brother, you remember your brother had an art against you, it says that you ought to go to your brother and reconcile it. So if you are aware that somebody has something against you, so if you're in knowledge, you're supposed to go to that brother and say, sister, is everything okay with us? I want to make sure. I want to make sure that everything is good. Is anything offended you, Thing I need to be aware of? See, we are used to living life with unsettled things. We are out of order with God. We, un- we do live life on ourselves. At least do your part. Now, like I said, you can't force people to do their part, but you can initiate to do your part. Like in the story we just gave, the escalation process. You try to do your part. It tells us uh, if you have a, if your brother have an art against you, br- you bring your gift to the altar, remembers that thy brother have ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar. And go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer your gift problem with the church is we worship through unforgiveness all the time we just worship through all kinds of situations happening I tell people all the time and this is one of the principles pastor Robin and I live by and I'm gonna tell you and it helps us not to have I'm gonna tell you this and it helps us not to have real issues in our home between us because I don't ever get up here and preach and I got issues going on unsettled in my house because I know I gotta preach and be free to preach it puts more pressure on me to settle my stuff at the house before I get up here to preach. Too many of us function without handling stuff. I refuse to get up here and preach and have my house out of order. So I never, never, ever get up here and preach. Ain't done it yet. I'll whisper to her and worship if I had to before I get up here and preach. I was girl, I'm sorry. If that was the case, can't remember the time too many times I did it. Because I'm going to handle it before I get here. I'm not going to be carrying stuff in my house, in my spouses and marriages for years because it's unsettled. I'm telling you, this is why our divorces rate is going up because we don't talk. We don't talk. We don't say nothing. And we don't forgive and we don't apologize. We got some of the most unforgiving marriages in the world. We don't forgive nothing. Yeah, ain't say nothing. I'm in the Bible. We, don't feel, we come and we come to worship. The Bible says, don't you come in here and worship. And you got all this stuff going on. They say, leave your gift at the altar. And go be reconciled with your brother. See, we think we can work. See, our problem is we think we can worship God and not have good relationship with other people. How can you worship a God that you've never seen and don't love your brother? See, God don't even allow us to do that. Don't you understand that the the cross is just not vertical? The the cross is also horizontal. That means you got to have a relationship with God and relationship with people. So you can't keep talking about how good you are with God, but you can't get along with nobody else. Because when you learn to get along with God, you also learn how to get along with other people. I don't want to keep hearing you ain't got no friends. There's a reason. Oh, there's a reason. There's a reason. Because if you're not vulnerable with God, you can't be vulnerable with other people. But when you learn to be vulnerable with God, then you have the ability to establish friendships. But when you still hide from God, you definitely hide from people. Luke 17. I promise you, we're gonna get cleaned out and we're gonna be better at it. But you got to get through this. You got to get through the black draw this Sunday. You got to get through the spiritual laxative. You got to get through the spiritual enema. You got to get through it. If you you can't avoid this today, it's coming. It's coming online. You can't avoid it. You got to get through it. If you can get through it, your body going to function better. You got to get through. You can't keep avoiding correction. You can't keep avoiding adjustments in your life. If you go ahead and get through the adjustment period. Luke 17. Luke 17. Verse one, then said he unto the disciples, is it impossible that offenses will come? But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a milestone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, correct him. And if he repent, forgive him. See, forgiveness means to release. And anything you hold will soon spoil. Hold that situation that happened to you. I remember I got hurt at work. And and I still went to work too. Hallelujah. May the people learn to come to church after they done got hurt. I went to work too. I got hurt. I trained for a position knew all the position. I actually shadowed a lady who was retiring. I met with her every day, and she just wanted a lollygag. I'm shadowing her. She's getting ready to retire in six months. The director has told me to learn everything she do, because everything she do is not in a manual. It's in her head. And when her head walk out the door, we ain't gonna know how to run this office. So Joe sit with her every day. Well, every day I sit with her, she didn't want to talk. She wanted to talk about her grandchildren, she wanted to talk about going out of town. And I'm saying, Ms. Nois, I got to tell you how this system runs. Well, Joe, we'll get to that later. And so I had to navigate a person who didn't want to talk about the job, but just wanted to socialize. Because That's what she had been doing the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's what she'd been on that 10 years. So she, she was just behaving. She wasn't treating me wrong. She was just treating that like She did her job. She knew it, and she knew when to speed up. So when you know your job, you just all get. Ooh, doo, doo. Oh, what day is the fifth. <laughs> doo, 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 doo. And so I'm trying to work with her, learn this job. She don't want to. So I'm shadowing her. I did the interview and didn't get the job. Shadow her. I'm the only person in the office that know it. You know, when you get disappointed, you think about all kind of things. You know, start talking crazy. I should blow this thing up. They should they don't know. <laughs> See y'all ain't never been hurt. When you start getting hurt, you talk crazy. And it was over payroll. It was over payroll. I shouldn't even press the button. I shouldn't even press the button this week. I shouldn't even press the button. The whole agency ain't nobody gonna get paid. I'm gonna show them. Not her and me, I got something for you. You don't know nothing. I ain't saying nothing. I'm a wreck, and we're gonna see if you think I'm important or not. You don't wanna give me that check. I'm gonna show you something. I'm gonna hold this whole agency hostage. On me walking around saying, I plan for this. I'm my my I knew I wasn't gonna be able to pay my bills, and so I'd have saved my money, but y'all didn't I didn't know nothing, y'all surprised. I'm gonna shut it down. Oh, I've been offended before. Train for it. Train for that thing. They didn't even get it. Talked to my boss about it. Had a very straightforward conversation with him. Let me help y'all some of y'all career-wise. Had a straightforward conversation with him. And he said, Joe, I didn't feel like you were ready for the job. You had experience, knowledge-wise, but you're not totally ready to deal with the challenges of being in that position. There's some decision-making that you were not as comfortable as I needed you to be in, and you was a little slow in it. It was hard to hear that, because I knew all the knowledge. there was something else he was looking for besides the knowledge i had the knowledge but he needed something else in the leader that was going to lead the section he told me why he didn't hire me i told him i thank you for telling me why you didn't hire me now y'all gotta understand i am from miami i'm a little bold and i said i appreciate that but i also want to tell you you are wrong that's what i told him i said i respect you that's what i told him i respect you because you're It's your responsibility to hire the next person. So whether I agree or not, in this case, I do not, but but it's your responsibility. And I felt like you still made the wrong decision. He said, all right, Joe, I respect that. We had our conversation, I went on about my business. But the whole office was upset. Because the whole office said Joe shoulda got the job. And so the whole office was upset, and they decided to have a We Shall Overcome rally. Oh, ain't nothing like being offended and getting a whole lot of people on your side. Oh, ain't nothing like it. They had, they had, we shall overcome. Oh yeah, they said Joe was done wrong and because I'm an African-American and he was a white Caucasian guy, they thought it was an opportunity that it was a racial situation. It wasn't. We had a great relationship. I had no problem. And then I had to learn how to manage offense because now there are other people stirring up stuff and if I'm not careful they're going to ruin that I can handle somebody telling me why I didn't get the job if if I don't handle it right they're going to ruin my trajectory and my career path because I can handle a tough conversation when he tell me you didn't get the job I can handle it but they couldn't so they had. we shall overcome rallies in my faith, in my name that I had to tell them don't have nothing in my name Y'all can do whatever y'all want to do in y'all name, but don't bring my name up. I'm fine, because I recognize we had a strength. See, some of y'all gotta know how to manage your situations and manage your workplace environments. It would have messed up everything God had set up in my life. Oh, y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. I got over that thing. I'm telling you, first it was in me. But I had to get out that thing out my spirit. I had people passing by my desk. I'm helping y'all, some of y'all. That's the only reason I'm telling it. I'm helping you. I had people passing by my desk. Caucasian, white folk, Asian folks. Just, I'll be at my desk, door be open, they just walk down. Pojo. And if you're not careful, you get sucked into all that kind of stuff. And don't, say, and don't let you have a low attention deficit. You start relishing all that attention that everybody giving you. And the next thing you know, you have messed up your whole reputation over a moment you could have managed totally different. I'm telling y'all, and I had to tell them, hey guys, I know y'all upset, but don't mention my name because this is what y'all feel, y'all go through it. I already went and had the conversation with my boss. I'm fine with him. I'm coming to work every day and I'm focused, and I'm not dealing with the drama of what he say, she say. Some of y'all gonna get raises when you get out of the he say, she say drama of work. Some of y'all gonna get promoted when you get out of the he say, she say drama of the work and learn how to hold yourself up and handle your situations. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. He says, if he repent, forgive him. Here we go. And if he trespass against these seven times a day, And then seven times a day turn again to thee saying I repent thou shalt forgive him. Y'all about read the Bible. You're going to have to learn how to forgive. You're going to have to learn how to forgive people. Don't you understand humans make mistakes? Don't you understand people do things wrong? So you're going to have to learn to practice forgiveness. And the apostle said unto the Lord, listen to this, increase our faith. That's what he said to Jesus. They said increase our faith. We're going to have to forgive like that increase our faith now listen to what jesus says and the lord said if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed you might say unto the sycamine tree be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you listen to jesus but which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field go and sit down to meat"? And will not rather say unto him, the servant, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Hmm? Doth he thank the servant because he did these things which he would commanded him, not commanded him? I trow not, I think not. What? So likewise, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded you, Say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Listen to what he's said this. He said, Lord, increase our faith. He said, you don't need no faith increase. He said, Lord, we can't forgive. We need, we need more faith to forgive. He said, you don't need no faith to get forgive. He said, what you need to do is obey. He said, I commanded you to, to forgive. He said, Lord, I can't forgive. I need more faith to forgive. I just, no, no. He said, matter of fact, if you had a little bit of faith, you can tell a mustard seed faith, you can move a big old tree. So it ain't about your faith level, it's about your obedience level. He says, if a servant was working out there for you, working all day, you're not going to tell him. You're not going to tell him to come in and eat before you. After he finished working in the field, he would steal the servant. You can tell the servant, fix my dinner, and after you fix my dinner, then you can eat. That's what he said, I'm going to tell the servant. He says, and you're not going to just reward him because he did what he's supposed to do. He's trying to tell us that we got to learn to be obedient. Say, be obedient all right I'm going to my conclusion here's my last point Matthew 21 10 through 14 and I'm praying right after this I'm praying right after this all right I'm on my assignment I'm doing good here it is final verses I've made my point many different ways but now I want to use Jesus Jesus taught these things to the disciples now you're gonna see Jesus in action on everything I've just finished teaching how he judges the situation and deals with the situation this is where i believe we are as a church this is where i believe you are as a person this is what i believe matthew 21 verse 10 through 14 and when he was coming to jerusalem all the city was moved saying who is this and the multitude said this is jesus the prophet of nazareth of galilee and jesus went into the temple of god and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Now this is Jesus in a different, different light. Jesus comes to the temple and this ain't, this ain't cute Jesus. This ain't the Jesus where we say, oh sweet Jesus. This ain't sweet Jesus right here. Jesus comes to the temple and he corrects the temple. He starts throwing out, he, the Bible says, he cast out all them that sow. Now, I know we don't want to look at it, but Jesus decided that the temple was out of order. People were doing the wrong things in the temple. He decided it was time to cast them out. It means there are times in your life, the only way you're going to get changed is you've got to get militant. I want you to show you how Jesus takes charge of the situation. This is not the beautiful. Jesus. They just got off. Jesus had just got off the donkey, riding into Jerusalem, and they say, "Oh, Jesus! Oh, Jesus. Jesus!" Gets off the donkey. From people celebrate him. Walks in the temple, casts out all them who have changed the order of the temple. All right, they were selling oxen and sheep and doves and all kind of different things they had going on in there. Besides church, verse thirteen, and he said unto them, "It is written, My house shall be called." a house of prayer but he had made it a den of thieves verse 14 and I'm praying and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them what I want you to see is when Jesus cast out everything that was out of order automatically what was supposed to be in the temple came in the temple now people are getting healed people are getting whole the blind came everything before that was blocking the restoration was blocking the healing was blocking deliverance was blocking the wholeness while i am still believing that there are some things god is reproving our church to make us better i want you to understand as an individual god is working on your temple i want to localize it today now individualize it that god is working on your temple there are things that god wants to remove from your temple Things that are hindering your lifestyle, things that are hindering your mindset. God wants to consecrate you, sanctify you, purify you. He knows how much better you will be when you get certain things out of your life. When he cleansed the temple, automatically the reputation of the church was restored. Automatically people start coming back to the temple and the blind start seeing and the lame was healed. I believe that God is cleaning us up in this season. I believe that it is our time as a church to even be reproved. I'm not shying away from it. I'm not shying away that God is cleaning us up and God is making us better. I am not shying away that God is purifying us. I am not shying away that God is cutting some things off. I am not shying away that God is trimming us back to make us stronger. The Bible even tells us that if we're connected to the vine, I love it, that he will even prove us that we'll bring forth more fruit. I believe we're in that season where God is proving us to take us to the next level. But I dare not shout over what we're supposed to eat. I dare not shout over the message that we need to take as a point of correction for something to go down in our souls. I believe there are times in our our churches, even locally and globally, That the Lord is disappointed because there are things that needs to be addressed in the lives of his people with proper the word of God, with love and care and sensitivity. But sometimes they're only told that God just wants you blessed. True enough, God wants you blessed, but God wants you holy. God wants you righteous. Come on. God wants you to be a witness to him. God wants you to please him. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him.